while they're telling me it's I'm ready to go now. So, well, good morning. Glad you're with us this morning. And and uh, for those of you that may not know, I am coming this morning for our live stream broadcast from our house, from my home. And uh, due to the current situation here in Nashville and, and around the country, we are live streaming from our house due to the situation. And uh, we're going to do this until it is safe again to meet at the church. And so we will do that or at the church building because, you know, the building is not the church. The church is people. But until it's safe for us to gather together again, we will be doing this. And uh, we are still going to the goal is still to hold all of the service times. And so I'll be here tonight at six o'clock live streaming. And then Wednesday night at seven o'clock, I'll be live streaming again from right here. Uh, here, this, this, uh, um, from right here in our kitchen, I'll be doing it from here and with this backdrop. And so, uh, so we'll do that. Just, I have just a couple of announcements for you and a couple things. Number one, we are doing a podcast also along with this and it's at podbean.com. And so you can go there and you can find a podcast and we're doing it from there. Uh, we are still trying to do a couple other things and look at a couple other things. And also, we have set up online giving. If anybody is interested, uh, it is at Tithely, T-I-T-H-E dot L-Y. They have an app you can put on your phone. We have it connected to our church website at WhitleyMemorial.com. We have a give button or give online. You can go there and use it at your own discretion if you want. And this is at your own discretion if you do want to use it. Now, this morning, we need to pray, and I want to pray to open, and we want to pray about the situation that's going on. We have several things uh, this morning that we need to uh, pray over, and um, I've already been given some this morning that we need to pray for. I've had some contacts this morning, and, and there are some people that are very, very sick this morning, and I wish you would just lift those up in prayer. I'm not going to give you names. I don't want to do that on a recording, but... Um, there are some folks this morning that are very, very sick. Uh, yes, and and just need to pray for them and pray that God would be with them. And and uh, I'm a little bit selfish. I'm praying for healing, complete healing. But we also need to pray for his will to be done. So if you would pray for those this morning that I've been contacted about. Also this morning, pray for an end to the virus. Do pray that the Lord will bless there and, and touch folks and uh Pray that God will just take this thing away. I know I was thinking a while ago, Lord, just take it away this week. Lord, just take it away this week. And so we need to pray about that. Also pray for all those that are sick with the virus. Pray for our first responders, our medical personnel that are having to deal with this. Um, pray that all this uh, equipment they need will get there quickly. Um, do pray for that. Not only just pray for the ones that are affected by the virus, but pray for all those that are sick. And pray that God will touch them and help them and and just do a do a work in their life. Also pray for our leaders, our political leaders, the leaders in our city, our governor, our our country. Uh, pray for all of them, and and um, you know the president on down, and and pray for everybody that's working on this. And uh, pray that they would. Uh, I hate to say this, but get along and work together instead of sniping at each other. You know, sniping doesn't help anything. But pray that the Lord would give them unis, unity and unison and that they'll be able to move forward and get this thing taken care of. And also this morning, pray for the lost. One of the things we want to do is pray that through this, people will come to Jesus Christ and uh, pray for those that are lost and do not know him. So let's pray this morning, and then we're going to get straight into the message today, straight into the message. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for today.
Father, I pray for those that are listening to me today that you would bless them and encourage them. Father, all those that will listen to our broadcast, all those that will listen by podcast or Facebook, I pray you touch them and encourage their heart today. Father, somebody listening that's lost, I pray you'd save them. Father, I just pray you do a work in their heart and in their life. Now, Father, I pray for those that are sick this morning that have been we've been contacted about. Father, I pray right now you go and heal them completely. I beg you to heal the one in the hospital today that we've been contacted about. Father, we want your will to be done, but we pray for complete healing. Father, for another that's sick that we've heard of this morning, pray that you would heal them. And for another who's requested prayer. And Father, there are many others that are sick and many that are affected by this virus. And we pray for complete healing. Father, we pray you'd stop this virus in its track. And Father, I pray that you'd bring healing to our country. And Father, we don't know why this virus is here. It could be because of Satan or it could be because of you. We do not know. It could be because we're in a sinful world. But Father, I pray that you would hinder it. And I pray that you would bring revival as a result of it. And Father, I pray that the Spirit of God would just do something in every heart and life. Father, protect those that are in the medical field. Protect those that are the first responders. And Father, I just pray that you would just touch our leaders today and help them to make the right decisions. And Father, again, for those that are lost, I pray they'd be saved. Father, I just pray you'd work. And Father, bless the message I'm going to give today. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, again, God bless you. I appreciate you being with us this morning. I want you to take your Bible, if you have it, and turn to Romans chapter 1. If you have your Bible, open it up, turn to Romans 1, or if you have an iPad, you can look there on your iPad, go to Romans 1 or on your uh, uh, phone or laptop or wherever you're at. And I want to go to Romans chapter 1. And uh, that's where I want to draw your attention this morning. And and uh, I, I, have, I am not known for preaching the same type message over and over and over again. What do I mean by that? I might do topical. I might do uh, exegetical. I might do verse by verse. I might do a theme. I might do this or that or whatever. Uh, this morning, I'm going to do a little bit different. I'm going to go verse by verse and come to a conclusion. And, and, uh, but we're going to look in Romans 1, and we're going to look at this message to the believers in Rome, the believers in Rome. And what I want to do is I want to... Uh, pick up in verse 8. This was written by the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, what do we mean by that? We believe that God gave him what to write, what to send these believers in Rome. That's what we believe. And again, we're going to pick up reading in verse 8. And uh, what we're going to do here is we're going to look at Paul's desire to go to Rome. Now, I know somebody's saying, wait a minute, Brother Scott, what do you mean Paul's desire to go to Rome? Uh, how can I get something out of Paul's desire to go to Rome? Well, can I tell you what I want to do is read and comment, and hopefully, hopefully, there'll be something for everybody here today, something for everybody. So if you're here and you're not saved, there'll be something for you. If you're here and you've been saved a short time, hopefully there'll be something for you. If you're here, you've been saved for years, there'll be something for you. And so hopefully you'll get something out of this, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. And so let's look at it. Let's pick up in verse 8, and what we're going to do is go verse by verse and then come to a conclusion. And look at verse 8 now. Notice what he said. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, first thing we see here is the apostle states his thankfulness for them, his thankfulness for them. But I want you to notice one thing in particular, one thing in particular. And uh, notice what he says here. He is thanking God that their faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Did you catch that? 
He said he is thankful that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I put down right here. And um, what we have here is he is referencing or talking to some people that have a testimony for Christ that was known far and wide. Think about that. He is saying, man, your faith in Christ, your testimony is, is known far and wide. Now, I got to thinking about that. That's the kind of testimony that you and I need as Christians. That's the kind of testimony Christians need. Now, somebody said, well, what, what, bro, Scott, what in the world is a testimony? Well, a testimony is kind of like a reputation. It's what people know of us. It's what people see of us. But a testimony is our witness publicly for Jesus Christ. It's our faith in Christ. Does it show forth? Can people see that we're a child of God? Can they see our faith in the Lord in bad times? Can they see our faith? Is our faith on display? And what he's saying here to these believers at Rome, your faith is on display throughout the entire known world of that day and age. Now, you know, I hate to say some people today are not known for, for some good things, right? Well, child of God, every believer, every Christian ought to be have a testimony that is a positive testimony for Christ. I mean, folks, you and I need a testimony that shows that we are believers in Jesus Christ. We need a testimony that shows that you and I have a strong faith in Christ. We need a testimony that shows that we live by our faith in Christ. Did you catch that? That we live. You know, some people talk about knowing Christ, but they don't live like they know Christ. What did he say in Titus chapter 1 and verse 16? He's, they profess that they know him, but in works they deny him. You know the funny part about that? That verse right there doesn't refer to saved people. It refers to unbelievers. And the, and, and the sad part about it is I wonder if there are people that sit in our churches every Sunday or maybe even listen to a Facebook stream or a podcast that they claim to be saved, but yet in reality, they've never made Jesus Christ their personal savior. They've never done that. They've never come to the place where the Lord convicted them of their sin and they've repented and by faith accepted Christ. My friend, is that you? I hope you have. Now, if you are a Christian, you and I need to live out our Christianity and we need to have a positive testimony for Christ and we need to have the right kind of faith in Christ, the right kind. Well, how can we have the right kind of faith? Well, let me give you two things real quick. Number one, you need to know Jesus as your Savior. You will not have the right kind of faith as a Christian without knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior. Has there been that time when the Lord showed you you were lost and that you needed Jesus Christ? I hope there has been. I hope there has been. If not, I'll tell you a little bit how you can have it. But I hope there's been that time. But then number two, do you want that kind of faith that's a testimony in front of others? then it needs to be rooted in scripture. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Scott? I'm not talking about what you believe and I believe, but I'm talking about our faith needs to be rooted in what the Bible says, what the Bible says. My friend, our faith needs to be rooted on, thus saith the Lord of Holy Scripture. That's the kind of faith we need. So I love that here. Paul said, man, I thank God for you. Why? Because you have a faith that is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, jump down to verse 9. Notice what he says. Verse 9, he says, For God is my witness, when I, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Now, Paul states, are you ready for this? That he prayed for them. Prayed for them. But notice what he said. He said, I pray for them. I pray for you without ceasing. And he uses another word, always. In other words, he was faithful 
to pray for them. You know, when I read that, I wrote in my notes, 1 Thessalonians 1, 17, pray without ceasing. If I can give you one thing right here, one thing just for all of us here, we need to pray for each other faithfully, especially in the days we live in. We need to lift each other up in prayer. James 5, 16 says, pray one for another. But here Paul says, I pray for you and I pray for you faithfully. Pray, pray for you faithfully. Look at verse 10 now. Go down to verse 10. He says, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Now here we see one of the things Paul was praying about. One of his requests that he was making to God. What was it? He was praying that the Lord would open the door that he could go to Rome and visit them. That he could go to Rome and visit, visit them. But notice one line in there, if you could. Notice one line. Notice what he said there in verse, verse 10. He said, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey, notice the next line, by the will of God to come unto you. By the will of God to come unto you. Folks, when you and I pray, when everybody prays, it ought to be, thy will be done. If we ask anything according to his will, First John says, we know that he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, when you and I pray, yes, we pray for things, but we also ought to be praying, thy will be done. Like the Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, in the Lord's Prayer, he said, where he talked about, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, praying about the cross and praying about dying for sins, he said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And folks, that's the way you and I ought to pray. Yes, sometimes we get selfish. And I'll be honest with you. I'm praying for some things right now. And and uh, yes, I, I'd love to see some things. But at the same time, you know what? We ought to pray, Lord, your will be done. Pray according to God's will. And so Paul wanted to come see them, but he was also praying that it would be the will of God to come see them. Now, as you look at the following verses, verses 11 and following, we're going to see why he wanted to go to Rome. We're going to see why he wanted to, to visit these believers. Yes, he wanted to see them because there were some he probably had met over the years that he cared about, but there were three other reasons he wanted to go. And that's what we're going to see here is starting in verse 11. Three other reasons he wanted to go. Look down at verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. Now, right here, we see the first reason he wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to help establish them in the faith, establish him in the faith. The word establish here means to set fast, to make stable, to strengthen or to make firm. You know what Paul wanted to do? He wanted to help them be strong or be established in their faith. He wanted to help them grow and be strong in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and, and that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to help them become strong and become grounded in the word of God and strong in their faith. Now, yes, he talks about imparting some spiritual gift unto them. And yes, spiritual gifts, big thing. And, and But I want you to understand this. You and I need to remember that God gave these spiritual gifts, and, and we don't have time to get into all of it this morning. We don't have time to get into all of it. But remember, these spiritual gifts were given for the benefit of every person. It's just not so a person can stand up and say, oh, look at me, I have this gift. No. You know what this spiritual gift was all about? These spiritual gifts were given for the benefit or profit of all the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. And you know what God wants those gifts to do? God wants those gifts exercised so that people can be edified. You know what that is? That's built up in their faith, built up in their faith. 
And that's what Paul wanted to do. He wanted to see people built up in their faith. And let me add one thing right here, if I can. One thing, one of the one of the purposes of every church should be, you know what it should be? To help believers grow strong in their faith. One of the things that we need to be doing is we need to be preaching and teaching the word of God, the Bible, the word of God, not little sermonettes, not little, uh, oh, how can we feel better today sermons? And yes, we need things to help us through life. We need that. But we need the word of God so that we can go strong in our faith. You know what he said in 1 Peter 2, 2? Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Do you know why the Corinthians and and in the book of 1 Corinthians had such spiritual problems, had sin problems. Would you like to know why? They had not grown in their faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, I fed you with milk and not with meat because you were not able to bear it. And, and, and folks, one of the reasons we have church and one of the reasons that we should have be meeting together as believers is so we can be stronger in the word and grounded in our faith. And if we're strong in the word of God and grounded in our faith, we can face anything that life throws at us, even the situation we have today. Look down to verse 12. Notice what he said. He continues, and we'll see the second reason. The second reason that he wanted to go to Rome. He says in verse 12, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. You know what the second reason was? Not only did he want to help them grow and become grounded, the second reason he wanted to go is because it would be beneficial to Paul himself it would be beneficial to Paul himself. See, because when Paul saw their faith and helped them grow in their faith and they became stronger, it would help and encourage him. Think about that. As he saw them grow, as he saw them become stronger, it would also encourage him and make him stronger and help him grow in his faith. Hey, can I share something with you? Well, I'm going to share it anyhow. I hope it's okay with you, but I just want to share. I, I get a lot of encouragement, and I've got to tell you what really thrills my heart when I see somebody saved and then somebody grows strong in the Lord. That encourages my heart. That thrills me. Hey, when you see somebody get saved, come to Jesus Christ, and they make Christ their Savior, then you see them get baptized, boy, that'll thrill your heart. I, you know, one of the things about it, what is funny, I often tell people I can preach the worst sermon in the world on Sunday, but if somebody gets saved, I think it's the best sermon in the world. Why? Because it encourages their heart, does it not? And when you see somebody grow in the Lord, you see somebody become a strong Christian, and then you see them lead somebody else to Christ. Wow, that just thrills your heart. We had a man in our church years ago, and the the he, uh, he started growing when I became pastor there, started growing. Next thing you know, he started riding a van route, uh, driving a van route. Then the next thing you know, on that van route, somehow he ended up picking up this family of kids. Next thing you know, mom and dad started coming. Next thing you know, one Sunday I'm preaching and this man comes forward. And so I go down to meet him and, and to talk to him. And the guy says, I want to get saved, bro, Scott. I want to I make Jesus my savior. This other man that ran the van came to me and he said, bro, Scott, he said, can I talk to him about the Lord? And I said, sure, you know how? He said, I think I do. And that man went over, knelt down at the altar by that man, opened the Bible up, showed him how to get saved. And that fellow got saved right down there. The guy came to me afterwards. You know what he said? I'm talking about the guy that ran the van around. He said, bro, Scott, that's the first time I've ever led somebody to Christ in all the years. This man was an older guy, but it thrilled his heart. But you know who else it thrilled? Me. 
It, it encouraged me to see somebody grow and become the place where they could share Christ and they knew the word of God. Wow, Paul said, not only am I wanting to come to help you, but if I come, it'll help me. It'll help me. Then we come to verse 13. Verse 13, he said, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Now notice what he's saying here. The apostle Paul is saying, I intended to come. I have intended on several occasions to come to Rome. But you notice what he said in the parentheses there? But was let hitherto. You know what that means? He was prevented from doing so or hindered from doing so. Think about that. He was prevented or hindered from doing so. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18 has a, a, a similar verse. But there where he talks about not being able to come visit those believers at Thessalonica, he added these words, but Satan hindered us. I wonder if here we can say that the devil and his demonic forces were hindering the apostle Paul from trying to do what God wanted him to do. Folks, as I thought about that, I've got to tell you, if I can share with you, you and I need to be ready. Why? Because when you decide that you're going to serve Jesus Christ, and then you set out to attempt to serve the Lord or try to serve the Lord, Satan and his demonic forces will come against you and set out to stop you from serving Christ. His forces will set out to stop you. Think about that. That's why you and I, the Bible tells us that we need to be on guard. Why? First Peter 5, 8, because Satan is like a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour. You and I need to have our guard up because Satan is going to come. And you need to be careful. Why? Because the moment you think you're strong, at that moment, he might come against you and try to slap you silly, to try to knock you back down, to try to try to, try to to hinder you in your walk with God and in your serving Christ. He'll do everything in his power to stop you. But then not only do you need to be on guard, you need to pray. What did Jesus say in Matthew 26, right before they were to face that temptation in the garden? He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Satan had already decided that he wanted Peter and the other apostles to try to knock them for a loop. And Jesus told, told Peter, I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Satan was doing his work to try to hinder them and stop them. And he almost did it. You said, what do you mean he almost did it? Remember what happened to Peter and some of the others? Over in John chapter 21, Peter said, I go up fishing. You know what I think Peter intended to do? He intended to quit serving Christ. That's my opinion on that. But then Jesus showed up, put him back on track. My friend, you and I need to be on guard. Why? Because when you try to serve the Lord, Satan will hinder you and he will try to stop you. He'll try to stop you. But now we see the third reason down in this verse, in verse 13, why Paul desired to go to Rome. Number one, it was to encourage the believers to help them grow in their faith and be established in their faith. That's what he wanted to do, help them be grounded and grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. Then number two, he said, I want to come because if it encourages you, it'll encourage me. He said, seeing your faith and seeing you grow and see people saved there will encourage my heart and help me. But then number three, the third thing here, we see down here is he wanted to go to Rome to bear fruit. You say, what? Well, notice what he said again in verse 13. 
He said, but I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Fruit, fruit. He said, I want to come so that I can see some fruit there in Rome. Now, what's he talking about? Well, he's not talking about apples and pears and lemons and things like that. I don't know if all, I didn't know if lemons are fruit or not. I have no idea, but I just threw that in. But he wanted to have some fruit, but he's not talking about fruit that grows on a tree like that. So what does he mean that where he said he wanted to have some fruit among them? Now, you got to understand in verses 11 and 12, he'd already mentioned he wanted to establish them in their faith. So that's not what he's referring to. The answer is found in verses 14 through 16. So let's read those three verses together. Notice that. Notice verse 14 now. He said, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. But then notice verse 15 now. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There's the answer. You say, what do you, what do you mean then? By fruit, what he's talking about is this. He wanted to go to Rome to help believers, but also to preach the gospel. Now you say, why the gospel? What's the big deal about the gospel? Well, read verse 16 again. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Folks, it's through the gospel that people are saved. It's through the preaching and sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ that people come to Jesus Christ. Here's the answer. Paul said, I want to come so that I can see some fruit there in Rome. What he wanted to do was present the gospel and see more people come to Jesus for salvation. He wanted to see more people saved. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to go and present the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people could hear the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and become a follower of his and be saved. You say, what is the gospel, Brother Scott? What is the gospel? He says there, he said uh, that he was ready to preach the gospel in Rome and the gospel is the power of God into salvation. Well, the word gospel means good news. It means good news. And according to scripture, if you read the scriptures, it means the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. And specifically, this is what it means. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, defines the gospel for us. Tells us what that good news is. You know what the good news is? It's how that Christ Jesus died for sinners, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You say, what is that about, Brother Scott? What is that about? What, what do you mean that Jesus Christ died for sinners, was buried, and rose again the third day? What do you mean by all that? Well, what I mean by that, all that very simply is this. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left heaven, came to earth, was born of a virgin, Mary. We celebrate that at Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ. He lived on this earth for about 33, 33 and a third, 33 and a half years. But then he died on a Roman cross. He was buried. They put him in a tomb. But on the third day, he actually rose from the dead. Now, what was the purpose of all that? What was all that about? Well, I think the best way to explain it to you is John 3.16. In John 3.16, we read these words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish 
but have everlasting life. What that means is this. That means that God loved the people on this earth so much. Think about that. For God so loved the world. He loved the people on this earth so much. And that means, my friend, he loved you and he loved me. He loved us so much. The next part of the verse, that he gave his only begotten son. See, when Jesus left heaven, came to this earth, he left to go to the cross to die in your place and my place. God gave him son, his son to die for us as our substitute. Why? Because he loves us. God loved us so much that he gave his son to die on Calvary's cross for you and I. Why? Look at the rest of the verse. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now you say, what does that mean? What does that mean? That God loved us so much that he gave his son so that we would not perish but have eternal life. Here's the point I want you to get. As sinners, you and I are sinners. And as sinners, one of these days, we're going to have to pay for our sin. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. It's kind of like a criminal that is convicted of a crime and has to bear the penalty. You and I are sinners. There's not going to be a judgment to whether we are guilty. The Bible says we are already guilty and the punishment has already been laid out. The penalty has already been put out. It's been put out. And, and God in his mercy, though, and in his love, sent Jesus so that you and I wouldn't have to perish or face the penalty. John 3, 17 says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth not is condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Here's the point. As a sinner, you and I have been condemned to perish in hell for eternity. But God loved you and loved me so much. He said, I don't want to see that. Yes, his holiness demanded it. And yes, as a judge, God had to do it. But God said, I love mankind so much that I'm going to send my son that if they'll look to him for salvation and accept him and believe on him, I will give them eternal life in heaven with me. Eternal life in heaven with me. Think about that. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary so you could have eternal life in heaven with God. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus died as your substitute and mine. He was buried and he rose again so that you and I could have eternal life and be justified, be pardoned so that we could have that life. That's what it's all about, my friend. That's what it's all about. And if you're willing to repent of your sinfulness and by faith accept Jesus, believing that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross for you, was buried and rose again, he will save you. Right there where you're at, you can pray a simple prayer and say, Lord, the best I know how, I want to turn from my sin. Please save me for Jesus' sake. And you know what he said he would do? He will save you. Romans 10, 13 states, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be saved, not hopefully will be saved, but shall be saved. My friend, if you've never made Christ, why don't you look to him right now? 
and accept Jesus as your Savior. Can I ask you, are you saved? My friend, you need to be ready. I thought about preaching today from Romans 1 on being ready. There in verse 15, Paul said, I am ready to preach the gospel. He was ready to go preach. But folks, you and I also need to be ready for eternity. We need to be ready for death. I hate to say that. I don't, I don't want to be a downer, but the day and age we live in, we need to be ready for death. We're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. My friend, you and I need to be ready to die. People today are writing wills. They're making burial plans, things like that due to the virus. But folks, more important than that, you need to make plans for eternity. Are you ready to go to heaven? If not, the only way, the only way you're going to do it is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. My friends, are you ready? You need to be ready. You need to be saved. Why don't you bow your head right there and make Jesus your Savior? And then, child of God, Christian, believer, let me ask you, are you growing in your faith? Paul wanted them to be established. You and I need to be established in our faith, learning the Word of God. Why? Because there are people all around us that need a testimony and need somebody that can share the gospel with them, share the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's grow in our faith. Friend, if you're not saved, make Christ your Savior. Make Christ your Savior. And then if you did, send me a note. Go to WhitleyMemorial.com, our website, and there's a contact thing there. You can send me a note. It'll come straight to me. And let me know that you got saved today. Out of God, let's grow in our faith. Let's become established. Let's get into the Word of God so that we can grow. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time to be able to come and share the message of Christ with people. I thank you for the time to be able to come and share the good news of the Word of God. Father, I pray you bless our families. Bless everyone that listens to this message today. Those that are lost, I pray they'd be saved. For the child of God that's weak in their faith, I pray they'd get into the Bible and grow. Help me to get into the Word of God and grow. Forgive us where we failed thee. Now again, Father, we pray for healing for our country. Touch those that are sick today and meet needs. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for listening.